0: Amen, amen. All right, church, go ahead and grab a seat. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and grab those. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in chapter 16 here this morning. So Psalm 16 is where we will be at today. So before we dive into this text, I want to tell you about a wonderful member of my family to get us started. This man is a legend. This man is my father. How many of you in here have seen the movie Equalizer? With Denzel Washington. Okay, a few of you, right? That I believe describes my father. Uh, this, this very dangerous man, uh, but yet yeah, if you meet him, he's so nice. Uh, a few things about my father. So, one, he's a third degree black belt in taekwondo. Uh, bad dude. That's right, baby. Who is right? Who is right? Hey, he is a bad dude. He is also, I think, a brown belt in judo. Um, taught firearms classes to people all over the state of North Carolina for the majority of his life. He also can break bricks with his bare hands, and he's like 60-something, like 63. He's old. Sorry, people. Sorry. Sorry. You know, it's just his perspective from a 20. I'm 28, man. Just show me some grace, all right? Just show me some grace, all right? But he's in his 60s, and that's, and that's very impressive. Not only that, but for the majority of my life, he had two chipped teeth with adds to the toughness level and, and he chose, he didn't go, he chose to shave his head bald. Come on, like, like toughest dude in the world. So my father for me has always been a, a place of protection. He's always been a, a place of refuge for me. Uh, I even think about when I was young. So if you know me well, I love to talk trash. And so I would often, through talking trash, would get myself in a lot of issues with people in our neighborhood. And yet all I had to do was go to dad and the teenagers would go running because they're fearful of a seven-year-old's dad. That's right, I was talking trash when I was seven to teenagers. I remember one day we were coming out of the mall in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and a guy almost hit my mom, my two brothers, and myself with a vehicle. And my dad said, hey you, stop. And he said, family, go. So we left. That guy goes off terrified for his life. He come, comes in the car, turns around and says, he says, I can beat up 10 guys like that. I'm like, why would you tell me that? I'm like, I'm like, bro, like just like just straight scar me for life. I'm like, who are you? And, like, and even in things like, so in Carolina, we had tons of hurricanes, and and I think the worst one to come through was Hurricane Friend. I think it was, like, Category 4 or Category 5, and we stayed um, at this time in a trailer park, so we stayed in a trailer, Um, and I remember my father saying, no, we're staying here. We aren't going anywhere else, and so we stayed, and I remember, like, looking through the window, and there's, like, wave, like, storm wave, like, black clouds outside, and my dad's just chilling, and I felt safe. I was like, man, like I feel safe around this man who I call Father. This man truly was a refuge for me, a protection place, a safe place. As we look inside this text here today, we'll see David saying the same thing about our Heavenly Father. David is going to talk about and point us to a God who is his refuge. And then what we're going to gain from this as well is that we'll be able to know that God is our refuge. So, as, so the goal for us today is for us to leave knowing that God is a refuge and that God is all that we truly need. And so we're going to look at three benefits here this morning as having God as our refuge. But because I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to pray and ask for the Lord's help and ask him to guide our time today, um, and ask him just to bless us with more of him. So let's pray, and then we'll dive into the word. Father, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for you remaining the same. We thank you for you being our refuge. Father, I pray that as we dive inside of this text here this morning, that you will just reveal more of yourself to us. I pray that you eliminate all distractions, Lord, and just let us see you as wonderful, as a place of rest, as a a place of refuge, a place of protection from the world. Thank God, and may you just bless us here this morning. We love you. You are good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, let's look at verse 1 in Psalm 16. And, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black one somewhere beneath the seat around you. I should have said that like 40 minutes ago, but whatever. All right, verse 1. David says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I want to stop here and talk about these first three verses. So David first begins by saying, hey, preserve me, O God. He says, preserve me. He's saying, maintain me. God, keep me alive. Why is he saying these things? Because um, people believe that during this time, David was on the run from either um, Saul or a guy by the name of Absalom, and so uh, they wanted to kill David, and David was, Lord, preserve me. And even if he wasn't being preserved um, from these men, um, he definitely needed to be preserved from the idol culture that was taking place around him. The idol worship and the false gods um, that people were worshiping that won't maintain. And so David is like, God, I need you to preserve me, keep me alive as someone or something is after David. And so David knows, I have to run to my refuge. This refuse that I delight in. And so we see in verse 2, let's read that again. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. He highlights God as the only good thing. The only good thing. He says that there is no good. Nothing else is better to David than God himself. Anything that is apart from God, David knows that it is not good. So getting hammered on the weekends with the boys, for David it ain't going to fly. It's no good. Committing adultery for David, even though he had that slip up with Bathsheba, it's not going to fly for him. It's no good. Doing things that we oftentimes love to indulge in church that may be false gods for us, for David, it ain't going to fly, baby. It's not going to fly. It's no good. Because the only good thing for him is God. He delights in that. He loves his Lord. Not only does we, do we see him highlighting God as the only good thing, but he also highlights in the benefits of dwelling with other believers. Verse 3. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Where's your delight? Davis wasn't God's, and it wasn't other believers as well. He also used these other believers as a source to help point him back to God and whom he delighted in, which is the reason why. What a great opportunity to bring up small groups. What a great opportunity. All right, which is the reason, one, one of many reasons why we promote small groups here, If anything, you need a place to go and to have your delight keyed back in on God. Because I guarantee you, Gossip TV ain't doing it, right? Going out with the boys ain't doing it. But you need to be with community that's going to point you in the right place. And so what's your excuse? That's enough reason why. To get your delight focused back on the Lord. I'm so thankful for my small group. So, so thankful for them. And there's moments where it's not all that great. But for the majority of the time, though, when I leave, I am leaving encouraged. And I'm so thankful for my crew. I'm thankful for my small group leaders who just point my eyes and help me get my focus back on Jesus. And that just helps me grow. It helps me grow. And then so these saints in this text that David is talking about are the holy ones of Israel. Again, heavy idol Worship going on around him, heavy idol culture. And he's like, man, I need people to help me put my focus, keep my attention on the Lord. Because what these other people are doing will not point me in that direction. So this ensures David of that. So David found his delight in the things of God, and so should we. Brings us to our first point, and that is when God is our refuge, he is the delight of our lives. When God is our refuge, he is the delight of our lives. How many of you in here are dog people? That's a lot of dog people. I myself can care less. Now, I love golden retrievers, but I've been fighting my wife to not get a golden doodle for two years, and the church is not helping me out with that. There's a group group, group of like 20 of you who side with her. Only Pastor DJ sides with me, and for him I'm thankful. I'm thankful for him. All right. But honestly, though, but I do have to give, you know, dogs credit and the realms. Uh, the dog and human relationship makes me think about this element of delight. So dogs, I feel like, see us as a source of refuge. They, they so we, we protect them, even though they should protect us, but we protect them. Let's be honest. All right. We, we feed them. We give them water. We love them. We give them cuddles, as the girls would say. We give them cuddles when they need it. And so because of that, they delight in us. They love us, right? When we come through the door, they're, <laughs> and they get tired, and they go get water, right? I mean, but they love us. Um, they're much better than kids almost, I feel like, right? Because, you know, I, like, <laughs> bro, like, I mean... Man, like, you can feed kids. You can, you can pray for them. Like, why are you feeding me? Why are you praying for me? Why do you give me water? Uh And, like, I mean, but, man, like, but dogs are thankful for you in that. They delight in you. All right. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh, man. All right. But honestly, right, but, but likewise for us in the Lord. The Lord sees us like he loves us. He sent his son down to die for us. And so in that, we delight in him. We love him. And so what are some practical ways for us to work on delighting in him more? I think one beautiful way is through this book right here. Now, some way, somehow, I know a lot of you in here, you work a lot of hours Um, I understand that. But some way, somehow, even if it's like, I mean, you will sacrifice for some of the craziest things. Find time to sacrifice for this book. Get alone with God and turn, turn this dang thing off. Turn it off. And find time to not be distracted. Allow for the Lord to just minister to your heart through anywhere in this book. I think that's a great way. I think worshiping the Lord is another way. To to delight in him. There's often times where I'm sitting somewhere in here and as someone is leading worship, I just stop and I stand still. I look strange, but I just stop and I stand still and I'm staring because I'm thinking about uh, just the words that are being sung to our wonderful God and how great he is. Maybe during your quiet time, maybe just find time to step away and just listen to a couple of songs and allow for the Holy Spirit through that to minister to your hearts. Find a way, especially this week, to delight in the Lord. Now, for some of you, I know that this, again, is exceptionally hard. Um, although you hold the title of believer, delighting in God is just something that, that just may not be a thing for you right now. Uh, and so what I want to do next through this text is address a potential thing uh, that may be keeping you from delighting in God. So let's look at verse 4 and let's talk about these things. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. I want to stop here. I think there's a lot to talk about here, here in verse 4. David says that the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. I firmly believe in being a man of my word. I was taught That if there's nothing else that you can hold, you need to be a man of your word. And so what I will guarantee you here this morning, what David is saying is true. There is nothing but sorrow. Hear me say this, church. There is nothing but sorrow in following idols. In following false gods, I can guarantee you destruction and emptiness. They may not show up right away, but it's coming. It's coming, baby. And I guarantee that. I guarantee it. There's nothing but sorrow in following idols. Emptiness is what they bring. Destruction is what they bring if they are your God. And for a season, it may feel it may feel great, whatever that may be. But there's nothing but sorrow in following idols. What are some idols of today? I think that will be something good for us to address this morning. What are some idols that we deal with today? I think one... Um, for us, sports, and I know parents of teenagers, we've talked about this before, and I just feel the need to bring it up again. Sports are a huge idol and prevalent in the life of teenagers, and to be honest with you, I can't blame you, because in being a former athlete, and understanding um, that, that you're that you're ingrained in a culture of, man, you have to make this thing your God. This is all you live for. You're up at 5 a.m., you're running sprints, you're going to bed at 11, watching film. They tell you to do this, to make this your idol. And I got to be honest with you, like, I understand, because sports have been nothing but good to me. Allow me to get two degrees for free. And it's opened up a lot of doors that I wouldn't have had if I wouldn't have been able to play sports So the game has been good, so I understand, but yet we have to combat this. Because I agree with this. It brought me nothing but emptiness. I think about the highlights of of my football playing life. And when I was in high school, when I signed a letter of intent, I just remember thinking, oh, is this it? I remember when I was in college and had my best year, I was like, oh, is this it? I remember being in Key West Florida um, on the third night of the NFL draft, and I was not that good, trust me, but on the third night of the NFL draft and receiving a phone call from a number from Houston, Texas, who was a Cleveland Browns coach saying, hey, come and join us for a mini camp. And I was like, so was this it? And I remember standing in that locker room in Cleveland saying goodbye to my career, and I was like, was that all that had to offer? Nothing but emptiness. And you're probably like, oh, you're a scrub. That's very true. And so why don't you hear <laughs> so, so why don't you hear about this from someone a video you've probably seen before, but why don't you hear about this from someone who's not much better, but a little bit better than me? <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is... Me, I thank God. It's got to be more than this. This guy has everything that a lot of us will want to have. And he's like, there has to be more than this. So sports, what a bad idol to have. How about this one? How about money? Money is is a prevalent idol in our culture today here in America. My wife said something very profound to me, I think like two weeks ago, and she was like, a lot of people in the world, they work for need, but Americans work for greed. And that's so true, because we're told that we need a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger boat, More, just more money, more stuff. Now, all these things in themselves, they are not bad at all. They are not intrinsically evil things. They are good things. But when they become gods, they become idols. That is a bad place to be. Sorrows and emptiness. How about this one? Kids. And I'm going to tread very lightly here because I understand, I don't have kids. And I'm trying as long as I can to wait too, boy. (laughs) I'm trying as long as I can, but I don't know if it's going to work. First, hear me say this. Kids are a blessing from God. Absolutely. I love our kids here. Guys, I absolutely love our teenagers. I love doing student ministry here, and I have for the last two and a half years. But if you delight in your kids more than you have delight in God, all I'm going to say is that there is some reorienting that we need to do. There's a different delight that we need to see. And so if it's these three idols that I just addressed or any other idols, we just need to figure out how to get back to putting God first. However that looks, we need to be willing to do the extremes to get back to putting God first. Because if these things are your God, then is God truly your God? That is a genuine question that we have to ask ourselves. And so I think we could take David's example. Let's keep going in the text. Let's look back at verse 4, but the second part of it. He says, Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So what we see here, and I love this, in that second part of verse 4, David was adamant about, I will not have no other God outside of my God. There will be no idol that will take his place because we see in verse 5, he chose. When he followed God, he said, I am going to choose He says, you are my chosen portion. I am choosing. He he predetermined in his mind that I am going to follow God instead of idols. He is going to be the Lord of my life instead of idols. Some of us in here beginning today need to to tell ourselves, hey, God is number one. Jesus Christ is number one because God was his refuge. And then you see this word a lot. Also in verse 5, we see that God um, held his lot. And so this lot for David um, was a destiny for David. It was this land that was going to bring David some security, some stability, some great prosperity, to be honest. And so that's why we see in verse 6, he talks about this word, beautiful inheritance. He says, the lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. This is the promise that David was holding on to. And he was like, it's so much more worth it for me to choose God over false gods, over idols, because I have this beautiful inheritance and I have God. God cares for me. Likewise for us, our beautiful inheritance coming is Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, we get heaven and all the goods along with that. But the beautiful inheritance that we have coming is Jesus. We say no to other gods because of that. Because we have a God who sent his son down, put on this nasty skin that we have that, that gets oily and ashy and all this nasty stuff. He puts on skin to dwell with people who killed him, who he loved, who gave us the opportunity um, to love him. So he died on a cross, took the weight of our sin, our guilt, and our shame for us, and then he was buried. And then three days later, baby, get out the way. Tomb's gone, right? Christ is out that grave. He conquered it, which then gives us the ability to do what? To conquer sin, to defeat sin, to say no to sin. This is our beautiful inheritance. So no guilt and shame in your life because Jesus died for you. He rose from the grave for you so that you can come to know him. And what a beautiful inheritance that we get to worship. And then verses 7 and 8. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Verse 8, David set the Lord before him, and he will not be shaken. He will not be moved to idols. uh, (laughs) David's eyes were focused on his refuge. And so because he was focused on his refuge, he wasn't going to be shaken idols had no effect on him because his focus was on his refuge. Our second point here this morning, when God is our refuge, we choose God over idols. When God is our refuge, we will not be shaken. We will choose God over idols. I had a great friend in Dallas. His name was Chase. Chase's biggest fear was cancer. And Uh, Chase received brain cancer, I want to say my last year and being in Dallas. And it was so cool to see Chase during that moment because I know if trials hit anyone in this room, it would be easy for us to go to something else outside of God as well as becoming bitter towards God. And it was so cool to watch him live out what David says in verse 8 how he will not be shaken. But when cancer hit, yeah, he got a little scared. He got a little terrified, but he understood that his beautiful inheritance was to await him if he was to die. And he understood that if he stayed here on earth, he got to spend time with his beautiful wife, his kids, and, of course, me. Now, praise God, the Lord spared him, but he abided in the Lord. Even when idols were, he abided in God. When they were probably pulling at him, he was in God's word. Almost every time I saw him, he was worshiping the Lord. He was, he was just loving God. He was dwelling with people during this trial. And, I'm, and I know, <laughs> I know some of you in here are going through similar things. Some of you are going through probably worse things or lesser things. But regardless of what it is, what it is, don't give in to those idols. Don't be shaken. God is your refuge. Stay with Him. Now, whatever it takes, I don't know what that means for you, rid of idols in your life. They will not take the place of God for you. As we continue on in this text, we will now see the benefit of allowing God to be your true refuge. Versus false gods. Let's take a look at verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. I want to stop there. So David says, therefore, so we got to go back a little bit, but he says, therefore, pretty much, so going back, adding that therefore in there, he says, therefore, since I have an inheritance, I will say no to idols because I have a beautiful relationship with God. So because I have that and because I will say no to idols, in verse 9 he says, my heart is glad. He rejoices in his beautiful inheritance and that he will say no to idols. He says his whole being rejoices. He rejoices in this. And his flesh dwells secure because God will not abandon his soul to Sheol. David has peace and joy. Do you have this peace and joy that comes from God being your refuge? Is there peace and joy in your life? He also has peace and joy because God will not let him see corruption. Again, verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One, your Holy One, see corruption. This Holy One being a man marked by God, a man under God's refuge because he followed him. God wasn't physically going to let let him die during this time either because now that was in God's hands and he was on the run, but God had him. He was under God's refuge. And David wasn't going to see corruption because he trusted in God. Now, for us in this room, our corruption is what? It's being eternally separated from God. But we don't have to worry about seeing corruption because of a wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't have to worry about seeing corruption because of Christ himself. Now, verse 11 is so beautiful. Because now we get to see the benefits of following God. We get to see the benefits of of when you're a follower of Christ, it's crazy because everything is going to be okay. And yet he still gives us benefits of being here. And so we get to see this in verse 11. Verse 11, to end out this text, it says, You make known to me the path of life, and your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Come on, Amen. come on the everlasting pleasure that the human heart seeks are not things that we often indulge in and that leave us dry and depressed and sad and empty the The pleasure that the human heart longs for, is Jesus Christ. And again, I guarantee you, unlike idols, this will satisfy. This will fulfill. I'm going to the beach next week, and I can't wait. I spent a lot of time with teens this summer, and it tore me up. I had fun, but man, I cannot wait to go and put my cheeks in a beach chair and satisfy my soul with God's word and my stomach with food to where I may come back with mercury poison and give you a heads up, Brock. And man, but, but honestly, more than the beach can offer, God's more satisfying. More than sex can offer, God's more satisfying. More than drugs can offer, He's more satisfying. Anything that this world can offer, He's more satisfying, church. And may we grasp that. Joy, pleasure, peace, satisfaction, all comes from him. When your true pleasure, when you taste true pleasure, you have pure joy and satisfaction. Our third point this morning, when God is our refuge, we receive peace, joy, and pleasure. When God is our refuge, we receive peace, we receive joy, and we receive pleasure when studying texts like this it often makes me think about the persecuted church and and how even this applies to them where they are even receiving peace joy and pleasure and how they're not afraid of the outcome because God is their refuge i mean you have people being beaten with whips getting 60 lashes because they love Christ. People are being dragged from their homes, right? Churches are being built down, uh, burnt down. People are uh, being beheaded for the sake of the gospel. And even these people rest in peace, joy, and pleasure. How? Because God's their refuge. Because they have true satisfaction in a holy God. True satisfaction in Jesus. And and that beautiful inheritance that we talked about, their, their, their heart, their focus is all there. It is all in that beautiful inheritance because one day they are soon to receive it and they say no to idols because of that. On the bottom of your sheet, you may see this, but on the screen, you'll see God as our refuge brings us all of the satisfaction that we need. And that's so true. God as our refuge brings us all of the satisfaction that we need. in church, may we cling to that this week more than any idol can bring. We delight in his peace, his joy, the pleasure that he brings us. And so with that, what what do we do with this? This week, work hard to build your life under the refuge of God. Again, I feel like that all of my applications are the same, but memorize this book. Spend time in worship. Delight in him. Let him be the refuge that you need. Don't run to all the other things. Run to God in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for today, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for how good you are. Father, we just pray that as we leave here today, Lord, that our lives will be marked by by you, that you'll be our true refuge, God, that we will build our life upon your love, Lord, because you are that firm foundation. And so, God, This day forward, may we leave behind all the other false gods, all the other idols. And may our lives just be marked by you, God. May you be glorified in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name.